Welcome to Quest for Gold. We finally reached July. We're now three weeks away from the opening ceremonies. New out of Japan this week, the IOC announcing it will allow athletes who are nursing mothers to bring their children with them to Tokyo. Many moms were contemplating if they would even compete in the games if they weren't allowed to bring their infant children along. Team USA is coming into focus. More athletes punching their ticket to Tokyo over the last week. USA men's five-on-five basketball team will include Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, and Devin Booker. 12 players in total. Kevin Durant, Kevin Love, Draymond Green, the only players with previous Olympic experience. The gymnastics squads have been named on the women's side. Simone Biles, Jordan Childs, Suni Lee, Grace McCallum, Jade Carey, and Michaela Skinner all making the team. Carey and Skinner qualifying for individual events. Congrats to Laura Zhang and Avita Grishkenis who made their Olympic bids official this week in St. Louis in rhythmic gymnastics. You can hear our interviews with them in episodes 59 and 57. The men's gymnastics team will include Brody Malone, Sam McCulloch, you'll Moldauer, Shane Wiskus, and Alec Yoder. U.S. golf teams are official. Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas are headlining for the men. Lexi Thompson back for her second Olympics on the women's side. In tennis, Coco Goff and Jennifer Brady will be playing for Team USA. However, Serena Williams has pulled out after injuring her right leg. Her sister Venus also not slated to head to Tokyo. USA Baseball names its roster for the games Friday. USA Judo set to formally announce its full team this weekend. While many athletes are just learning now whether they've qualified for the games, Fencer Eliza Stone, a Chicago native, punched her ticket to Tokyo months ago. But her journey to the Olympics has been years in the making, following a disappointing turnout in 2016. We had a chance to talk with her via Zoom. Fencing isn't, you know, something that a lot of Americans are accustomed to. I mean, we, we, we're aware of it. We know it. Um, but it's not like, you know, baseball or basketball where it's kind of ingrained in you as a child. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the sport and, right. um, you know, kind of like how you elevated and, and rose up to, to the, to the okay. performance yeah. level for that. Um, yeah, fencing is a really small sport in the U.S., so basically nobody knows what it is, and that's totally fine. Uh, I'd say, uh, well, it's descended from, like, the dueling weapons, um, but now it's just a fun sport, so nobody gets hurt. It's more like, you know, you're fighting for honor. Uh, and some weapons, it's just, like, uh, based on who touches first, the target area, and some weapons, it's based on, like, who has the right-of-way. Like, um, you have to be attacking or you have to somehow be controlling the action. Um, and I fence saber, and that's a right-of-way weapon. Um, the other weapons are foil and epee. So uh, there's a lot of choice if someone wants to start in as a beginner. Um, I am seeing some yeah. clubs popping up, but maybe maybe I just wasn't aware of it before. But is, is it growing in popularity right now? It definitely is. Um, the last two Olympics, I think it's gotten a lot of uh, attention. Um, the fencers who've gone before me have been, have done a really good job in like bringing awareness to the sport. So we're benefiting from that. New Jersey especially has a ton of clubs. Is, is that something that's in the back of your mind, growing the sport, not only, you know, succeeding on your own behalf, but helping to grow the sports in one form or another, whether it be on this international platform or, or maybe some other kind of platform? Um, yes. I mean, I've benefited from the athletes who've gone before me. I remember looking up to Seda Jacobson when I was really little. She, um, she was an Olympic silver medalist, was, you know, one of the first women sabers on the world stage. Uh, and she built the sport as an international sport, you know, almost uh, by herself. Um, and we're all benefiting from that years years on. So, of course, I want to do that kind of work for the next generation. 
Um, and uh, I see it kind of in little ways. Whenever I go to a national competition now, the kids are like, Liza, good luck at your next competition. And uh, it's it's weird seeing, you know, the, the little kids are not looking up to me and you have that kind of responsibility. It's just, um, uh, it's a good responsibility to have, but it's a little nervous. Is it bigger in other countries than it is in the United States right now? Who are, who are kind of the big dogs when it comes to fencing? Yeah, um, I'd say Russia, Italy, France, are and Hungary are really the traditional, really strong countries in fencing. Um, but recently, the, uh, the U.S. has been strong in the last six years or so. And then Korea, China, they're all coming up. Uh, the sport's really developing quite a lot outside of Europe. Uh, so... But Europe will always have that traditional head start. When did this escalate for you from something fun to do to I could get to a, an incredible level and compete on an international stage and even at the Olympics? Kind of Was it something that you knew from the outset, I want to compete, I want to be an Olympian in this sport, or was it just kind of a gradual progression? Definitely gradual. I started off uh, just... Friday nights as a little kid, just for fun with my siblings. Um, and, uh, I happened to start with a, uh, with an ex, um, Olympian from Bulgaria and he kind of was able to make me really love the sport, but I still didn't have any kind of, oops, sorry, my cat. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't. Uh, I still didn't really have a, like a long-term plan as far as Olympics myself. It was more like, let's have fun. Let's go to these competitions. Let's, let's do as well as we can. My dad and my siblings all kind of pushed each other, you know, pushed me. Uh, and it was sort of a family, uh, family thing. We'd pile into the truck and go off to the competition. And that was that. Uh, and then only when I got, I got to 17 or so, uh, it dawned on us that we could, you know, get recruited to colleges. Um, and then that happened to work out pretty well. And I was recruited to Princeton, just kind of, that's how it happened. It was happened kind of for me. I don't know. I got really lucky. And then I started working with another Bulgarian ex-Olympian coach at Princeton and he kind of started to like, this is an option for you. You have the ability to kind of, if you work hard, you can do this. You can win the national championships. You can help us win an NCAA championships. And then it kind of, he's, he worked on giving me a little more confidence and it just builds step by step like that. Um, and then I saw people around me, you know, thinking about Olympic games and, you know, we'd talk through what it took, what the, what the four-year plans are to make the Olympics. And, you know, you start to realize it's actually possible if you put a lot of work into it. So nothing just happens. You don't, you know, you know, decide that you're going to go to the Olympics and it happens. You just, it has to be a lifelong kind of. Well, that's that's interesting because, you know, you've got that four-year cycle in theory, four years, right? And then you're moving toward, uh, you know, that goal and then a pandemic comes. And how how did that, how did that impact like your training, your career arc? I mean, I, I, everyone was on hold and you obviously had to understand that everyone, whether you were a, a fencer, whether you were a swimmer, whether you were a runner, everyone's career was, was put on hold. Did that set you back? Did that give you time to heal? Did it get you time to get mentally prepared? I mean, kind of how did you approach the pandemic and, and you know, especially the quarantine period, the first few months? 
I, it was definitely a mixed bag. Um, I was on a kind of a uphill. I was doing well from 2018, 2019, 2020. It was kind of like, just keep up the momentum. Um, mentally, it's important to keep up that momentum in your sport. Um, but then obviously that wasn't going to be possible anymore. Um, so I had to figure out kind of a, a way to put that all on hold psychologically, um, kind of put, put that under cryo sleep sort of, and then wake that up later on when I needed it. What was your approach? Was this a break time, a time to rest, or was this a time to drill down on some things? It's a very complicated question. So for fencing, you can't go all year round. Um, The lunging and the footwork patterns do a number on your your back and hip. And basically you can't do that all year round. You instead have to balance it out with a lot of cross training. So I, my coach and I basically sat down at the beginning of the pandemic we were in denial for about two months, but then when it finally, finally hit us um, that the Olympics weren't going to happen, we like sat down, you know, okay, you're going to take three months off from fencing, but instead you're going to be doing cross training and you're going to do this, this, this. And then in August, we're going to revisit fencing on a small scale. And then we're going to slowly build you back up again, you know, on this, you know, year long path that we have planned out now. Um, but I think that was good mentally and physically because I got to just oh, let go of it for a little while. I had a bunch of injuries. So in many ways, it helped having that time off. Um, honestly, if I had gone to the Olympics in 2020, my back was in a situation where it probably wouldn't have done that well. It was just hurting a lot. So, there's so you're in a much better spot now than you yeah, were. Yeah. A, a year ago, even as I think so, was underway. It's a difficult picture because I don't know about the psychological. I don't know about the momentum because we haven't had that many competitions. But physically, much better. So there's always a benefit. Yeah, now, have you had many competitions over the last six months, seven months since um, things have started reopening? Only, yeah. So. They basically told us it would happen in January. And then we were told, no, February, no, March. So we're constantly trying to peak and then stay peaked for three months there. Um, And then we finally had one World Cup end of March. Um, That's it. So we've been trying to compensate for that by having a lot of national competition. So just testing ourselves under that mental pressure is really important in fencing. Um, cause it, you know, it's one-on-one competition. You're trying to outthink your opponent and the one who can kind of outthink and outperform is the one who can kind of stay cool under that competition pressure. So it's yeah. really important to practice that. Sure. Uh, so we've been doing as many as competitions in some form or another as we can. Was, was there some rust that needed to be knocked off or were you fresh? Yeah. You know, at the beginning. Oh, no. Definitely some rust needed to happen, needed to get cleaned off uh, psychologically. You get Is that out with everyone? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Do you know you're all kind of on an even playing field after a pandemic? Everyone's been at practice, but then when you get out there for the competition, you're like, oh my God, it finally matters now. <laughs> Let's actually, you know, relax and try to try to do our best. It doesn't really matter. It's more about just putting ourselves in this position, practicing it. 
keeping that psychological. You've been pretty open about that. I, I saw the, the Team USA article that was written up about uh, the athletes going and seeing sports psychologists, especially during the pandemic, yep. to help them get through that. I know one of the things that had been said is probably the apartment we're looking at right now, or the, the, you said that you were basically holed up with your cat for a few months, right? I mean, yep. pumpkin. that's got to be a challenge when every day you're out training, you're out training, and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. Can't no, do it, that no. today. Can't leave, can't go can't do this or that. I mean, what are some of the things you needed to do to keep yourself mentally fit during that time? Since it is a sport that, you know, it's not just dribbling a basketball. There's a lot, there's a big mental component to it. Honestly, it's complicated and I know I didn't do it perfectly and everybody makes mistakes with this. So it was helpful to have a sports psychologist we could check in with to help us kind of guide our approach. And basically it was, you know, how do you, how do you make a new schedule every day, every week, every month? Like how I was talking about with my coach, if we had just, you know, let's take off three months and see what happens. And then we'll rethink about it. You know, that would have been a problem, but having a set time that I was allowed to take off and knowing what I was supposed to do in the meantime, really helped me not panic. Cause I was, I knew that I was still doing the right thing. I wasn't just in this weird limbo. So having that kind of checking in with the people around me, knowing that I was still doing something right helps you relax. Um, And um, it was really important, you know, I'm used to fencing every day. It was really important for me to still, you know, go out for as many walks as I could and run outside, um, do that at the same time every day. Like I, I know people, said similar things all through the pandemic. So I don't think this is anything mind blowing. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, they weren't moving along a certain path, you know, until when this, I mean, they were, they were doing their thing, they were living their life, but you were, you were trying to build up to something. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not only like, Oh no, I'm sure you had doubts even that the Olympics were going to happen. Like was the last three years even worth your while? Although I'm sure you're going to continue competing internationally, but you know, that's a game having, having um, spoken to a a few athletes now, I mean, when you wake up in the morning, if you don't think that it's worthwhile, worth doing, you know, that, that, that sets you behind you. You almost have to convince yourself, okay, this is happening and I got to move forward, even though, Half yeah. the world's shut down right now and I can't travel and I can't find a gym. I have to keep mentally preparing for Tokyo. Yep. And I definitely had the bad days, but that's when you call your sports psych and your coach and say, oh yeah, that's why I'm going to go out for that run. Uh, or a family member, whoever that is that you can check in with. That was the most important part for me, having some kind of um, uh, someone to keep me accountable um, and knowing that I would need that and setting that up. Um, was the probably the best thing I did to keep myself going that year. Were you able to set yourself aside and say, this is how I'm feeling right now, but it won't be how I'm feeling, you know, a couple yes. hours from now? I mean, what, what are kind of some of the tools and practices that, that you found were successful? Yeah. Basically, you realize as you go through this for so many years that you're you're kind of one big bag of chemicals. You're going to perform well and feel well if you're sticking with your plan, exercising the way you should, eating the way you should. You're not going to feel good if you haven't gotten your sleep, if you haven't eaten well. And when you're in those bad times, after you've had those experiences enough, you start to realize, okay, this is just one, another one of those bad times. It's going to end. I am going to get out of this. Life is going to keep going. And it's going to keep going 
little sooner if I just, you know, go for that walk, go for that run. Um, and having those eight years of up and down and disappointment, kind of you start to trust the pattern, like you are going to get out of this rut. It's fine. It just takes time. Just keep going. Um, so that kind of longevity and that experience and that kind of, you know, knowing that it will figure itself out in the end really does help. How, how tough was coming back from 2016? Very tough. It, I started to kind of question whether I liked the sport anymore, whether this had been a waste of my life, you know, you know, after college, the three or four years I'd committed to it. Um, whether I was, you know, throwing away a family or a career by not pursuing something else with, you know, my time, um, especially since I had failed and I didn't have anything to show for it. So I had to kind of figure out why I still liked the sport, why it was still worth it to me, whether I won or not. And that kind of realizing I was fine with it, whether I won or not, helped you relax psychologically and just kind of focus on the sport, focus on day by day. And then you do actually do better. Was there a moment when you said to yourself, no, I, 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 I do want to do this. I, or was it just kind of a gradual build up to a decision that you wanted to continue? Oh, there was pretty much one moment. I took off like six months from fencing after I didn't qualify. I was like, I can't be around any of this sport anymore. I need to distance myself. Um, uh, went home, got fat, got a little bit depressed. <laughs> it was just a whole round, you know, mess. Um, and then my coach was also retiring and he, and so it was just this whole complicated thing. Like, how do I even continue even if I want to? Um, and then my current coach, Oleg Stetsev, um, he basically, he'd been kind of, he'd known me for a few years, but he hadn't been my primary coach. And he basically sat down with me and said, if you want to, it's fine if you don't, but if you want to, this is kind of the plan that we would follow. And you're fine to step off the plan anytime you want to just communicate with me. And we'll do this together if you want to do it, because, you know, you help me, I help you, whatever. We can accomplish something big together. Um, but he wasn't pushing it. But having that plan again, kind of like, okay, I can do this again. Uh, and he gave me the freedom to figure out if I wanted to do it for myself. And so it was a good relationship after that. And um, August 2016 is probably when I came back to the sport and kind of realized, no, I miss it. Um, I don't care that I didn't make it the first time around. I really love the sport. I'm going to keep going. Take it year by year, um, but still commit to the sport. And another important part was that I decided I wasn't going to put off my classes or my career anymore, at least preparing for it. So I've, uh, it's important to have something mental to do while you're while you're training while you're being a professional athlete because if you have classes or you have a job to think about and even if it's stressful at least you're not thinking about your sport 24/7 and every win isn't life every loss isn't death it's fine you have some balance in your life so i just stopped putting things off when you qualified for tokyo was that like a burden got lifted off your shoulders or was it okay that's one step we've got more steps ahead I stopped thinking of it like a burden, like it was something I had to do or, you know, else there was a bad thing happening, you know, when I didn't qualify for 16, because that was the wrong way of thinking about it. This is a good thing in my life. It helps me out, keeps me fit, keeps me happy. And if I qualify for the Olympics, 
absolutely amazing. I'm so happy. Uh, so it was a much healthier approach to the sport. Um, and so, yeah, I was just very happy when I finally qualified after eight years. These Olympics are going to be different though, aren't they? I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing the playbooks for athletes. You're not going to be able to really mill around all that much. Do you feel like this is safe? Do you th- obviously you want to go, but do you feel like it's, it's safe and, and that, uh, you know, Japan will handle this properly? I think if any country can handle this, Japan can handle this. They're so organized. Um, they're so professional. Obviously, there's going to be um, a little bit of a risk. I'm certain there's going to be some communal spread. You know, it's going to be unavoidable. But we're hearing that we're going to get tested every single day. Um, they're being fairly rigorous about keeping us in the village, not allowed out. Um, you're only allowed to go to the dining hall and to the training center and to your room. And that's it. So, uh, for better or worse, we're going to be kind of like prisoners, but we are going to be kept fairly, you know, within our bubble. It's going to be pretty safe or as safe as we can make it. They will not allow foreign fans. Uh, so your family, you were obviously very involved in your development in the sports, won't be able to attend, um, I, I, guess, I guess they probably haven't been able to attend for the last year or so on any of the events, but uh, that's, that's probably, uh, you know, something that um, uh, are, are they going to be able to, to see or have some kind of experience um, and watch you compete in one form or another? Oh, they're definitely going to be glued to the TV. Okay. I'm getting them like jackets that they can wear and kind of like make a little team USA party out of it. Um yeah, they're definitely a little bummed, and so am I, that they can't be in Tokyo with me because um, they they really put in a lot of money and a lot of time into helping me fence when I was little uh, through high school, um, like hours every day driving me to practice. So I really wanted to be able to kind of thank you, mom and dad. <laughs> you're yeah. finally seeing some of the fruits of your labors, and you're going to go to Tokyo with me. And I like was getting them their nice plane tickets and whatever, but uh, bummer. Well, maybe there'll be a big celebration before or after you go. So, Have you been to Tokyo before? Nope. I've been to Oita, um, one of the Southern islands of Japan. And it was beautiful. Uh, I love the Japanese culture and food. Everything's so polite and clean and uh, I love it. So I'm looking forward to Tokyo. Then you get, then you can come back to the States and get yelled at by uh, cab drivers, you know? It'll, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm home now. <laughs> the, the, the perfect <laughs> contrast. So. No, um, I've definitely, definitely missed international travel. It's going to be good <laughs> to go back. Well, very uh, good. So is there any ways people can follow you? Well, I'm really bad about being on social media, but I have an Instagram Eliza Stone. I'm going to try to post more. Uh, probably the best thing to do is follow USA Fencing or Team USA. Um, and let's see, individual, my individual event is going to be on July 26th. And my team event with the whole Women's Saber is going to be on July 31st. Are but you going to take part in opening ceremonies or no? If they give us a chance to, I will. Um, as long as they're not going to say you know if someone in the crowd tests positive then you're all eliminated from the games i have to figure out what the rules are around it um i don't want to risk anything but if it's an option absolutely i will and any, any athletes that you want to maybe if possible rub elbows with from from another sport 
Oh my goodness. I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I don't think I'm going to be able to see any of them except, you know, walking back and forth from the dining hall. And then the last thing I want to do is be, you know, that person be like, yo, L- lingering around looking for Serena Williams or Simone yeah, Biles right? or someone like that. Yeah. Obviously that would be amazing and cool, but I'm trying not to try not to be the weird creep, you know, annoying them at dinner. Hey, you so. only get one shot, you know, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Who knows? Maybe there'll be another games that, that you're, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think after this is over, are you going to continue um, to compete? I think I'm going to continue, take it one year at a time, kind of how I've approached 2020. Cause I didn't want to, you know, make it a big thing, make it a burden. Like I said, um, I'm going to try to go to medical school, get started with all that stuff. Finally, um, not put my life on hold anymore. And if it, if it works out, absolutely amazing. If it doesn't, it's already, I've already had a good, good run with fencing. Thank you, Eliza. We'll continue following her progress at the games. Next week, we head to the basketball court. We talk with Stephanie Dolson of the Chicago Sky. She's preparing to represent Team USA in the first ever three-on-three Olympic basketball event. That's coming up on the next Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll talk to you then.